Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. We're kicking this baby off in the Davis tent, wall tent here in Colorado in beautiful high country September elk season slash muzzleloader archery season. I don't know if that made sense. It makes sense, Levi? Sure, it makes plenty of sense. Okay, I'm here with Levi Mayfield, cameraman extraordinaire, Tanner Vernon, who is basically the, he's, he's the hunter in this situation. Hey, we need to sign the Davis tent, you and I, by the way. Okay. Okay. Because we got everybody else that has been on this adventure on the wall. We always sign. Every hunt, everybody who comes, except for Levi in Nebraska, he left early. In no, season. no, I just wasn't asked to sign it is what it was. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, you were asked. You've just neglect to. But you know what? I've got a pen, and you can even get caught up because you've already signed it for, for this hunt. But let's start from the beginning. Tanner Vernon, I want you to explain this hunt uh you used all your points yep i used a lot of points and why did you choose muzzleloader um well because i've never actually hunted with a muzzleloader and i thought it would bring new challenges and also allow me to extend my range over archery which uh, in turn would hopefully have give me a chance at a bigger bull. So, yeah. And here uh, in this unit, you have been familiar. You've actually helped. You've actually hunted this unit with a rifle, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you got uh, a tag that was a turned back in, or you got yeah, a reissue tag. Reissue yeah. tag. And you almost killed a really good bull. Yeah, I saw some really good bulls on that hunt, but just didn't quite seal the deal. Mm -hmm. I wanted to to start this off with uh, the unique situation that you explained to us that I, I don't know that I'd really realize this, but you have been guiding for how many years now? Elk, um, elk hunting. Eight... Eight. So, you've been guiding elk hunters. You've probably guided to twenty five, twenty six bulls. Yeah, not as not as many as a lot of older guides, but I've guided to my fair share. I mm -hmm. feel like. And what's the one thing that you always get asked? Everybody always asks me what the biggest bull I've shot is, and it used to bother me because I hadn't shot a bull. But then I became more confident in my skill, and it kind of became fun to tell them that I had never actually killed a bull and to see their reaction when their hunting guide tells them that, they have, that they've never shot a bull. <laughs> they've spent all this money to come on this, on, this, uh, on this guided hunt. Yep. And they ask their guide, who's supposed to be this premier expert hunter, and you <laughs> say, I've never <laughs> killed. I've never killed a bull. Yeah, I'm like I don't know. I've killed. I killed a cow. One What's time. the reaction you get from people? There, um, I mean, a lot of times they don't believe me. We're like, no, seriously, 
but yeah, it's always kind of a little bit like, uh, I paid full price for this hunt. Yeah. <laughs> this but is... then, then you end up showing them that you actually have some. Sometimes, yeah. I, sometimes I prove that I know how to hunt elk. Sometimes. The elk win. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty, why it's pretty common. Yeah. Um, this hunt started. Uh, so as for people that don't know. In Colorado, the muzzleloader season comes in the middle of archery. Yep. So you have sometimes two weeks, sometimes a week and a half. It depends on how it lays. Right. And then there's a week of muzzleloader. Yep. Right in the middle. Nine-day hunt. Mm -hmm. Which is really good timing in a lot of ways. Um, the bulls are just getting cranked up. At least that's what we found on this Yeah, hunt. it's it's actually generally my like guiding it's usually my favorite um week and not not even just for muzzleloaders and just in general seems like have really good good success during that week yeah levi you have been on numerous elk hunts um but last year you had a chance to come kind of last minute and film our buddy south cox uh, he had a cameraman bail, and you bailed him out by uh, coming up. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Mm, what do you want to know about it? <laughs> it was, a, for me, it was totally different because the most elk hunting I've ever done is just, you know, camp off the side of the road and hike in one or two miles and play with the elk a little bit, set at water holes, whatever it is. But last year was a backpack hunt and it's first time i've ever done that and it yeah it pretty much whooped my butt it was a lot that went into it i think we was like seven and a half miles in something like that and it was yeah it was tough we ended up killing and getting it packed out and everything but it was this unit is definitely one of the toughest units i've ever hunted just steep just rugged country just everything and that's why there's so many elk here. Oh, yeah. There's elk everywhere, man. It's crazy when you can glass any mountain and there's elk on it. Mm -hmm. And you don't see that at over-the-counter units. But it's also a limited draw. Um, you know, for archery, it's looking at right around seven to eight points. Uh, eight, eight points, I think, this year. Would eight points have gotten it for sure? And seven would have been... Yeah, I don't know. I think it's like eight or nine now. Mm. But with muzzleloader, it's a little bit. <coughs> you okay there, little buddy? Not good. <coughs> you have to edit that out, I think. Goodness. But you, um, with the muzzleloader, it takes a little more. Yep. Yeah, it took me, well, I used 12 points. Uh, and you probably could have drawn it with 11. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but uh, so setting this hunt up, the idea was to set up the Davis tent, kind of the wall tent mm -hmm. base camp. And we had an opportunity, which uh, I want to get th that podcast on a different because we had our good buddy Dustin Etheridge and, um, and a few of his buddies came up and they bow hunted so we had a chance to hunt with them the week prior to which allowed you to do some scouting yep but we also tried to get call some bulls in and we and we we did we called a few in for them 
Um, but I don't want to go into that because that'll be a totally different podcast that would be a fun one to have with those guys because those guys were a, a lot of fun. Um, but you didn't really have the bull picked out. You knew uh, you knew about you had you'd spotted a big bull quite a ways away. Yeah, we'd seen a lot of really nice bulls um, that you know anybody on anywhere else would be happy with and but I hadn't found one that really piqued my interest um, and ended up on Saturday Saturday of opening day um, that that evening we hunted hunted the morning saw a bunch of elk um, and then that evening we ended up on a glassing point kind of from the road glassing way back into um a big drainage and i i ended up glassing up a bull that from we're, we're glassing kind of west in the evening which you don't want to do but we knew that was that was going to be the issue kind of glassing into the sun and uh but we could tell the bull was real was pretty nice so um it was enough to where on the Sunday we decided to go in and check him out. But to go in, we were going to have to commit to at least, what, we have three, four days? Yep. It was About, three and a half days, really. Well, well, yeah. counting Sunday afternoon. Right. So we hiked in. We got up. We rode four-wheelers for a ways, about four miles. And then we hiked in about four miles. And um, kind of got our camp set up. And Eric Whiting with yep. Iron Will mm-hmm. came out. And um, he's actually hunted this area too, which Eric is a good friend of ours. And, and it was fun to have Eric come along. So there was the four of us, Levi, myself, you, and, and Eric. Yep. And uh, what were your expectations going in there? Um, well, to start it off, that Sunday evening, we seen what we thought was a freaking stud, really. Yeah. From a long ways off, from what we could tell, it looked like well, a stud. Well, Saturday evening. Yeah, Saturday evening, remember? Yeah. yeah, Saturday evening. Yep. Yeah, we And was that the, the opener? The, yeah, that was so, the opening so, day. Okay, okay. And we'd seen some, some pretty dang good bulls, um... The week prior hunting archery with Dustin and those boys um, but nothing that was a no-brainer yet I would say and that bull on Saturday like I said was just it was enough to like we should go in there well you had heard through the grapevine if you will uh, friends of friends of friends type of thing that there was a big bull in this area and that's was that why you were glassing it Saturday night yeah and um, on Friday let's see Thursday night uh, before the hunt, Dustin and I packed in there, which I, I will cover that on the other podcast, but we packed in there, and Friday morning, I ended up having a bull actually within range um, by chance with cows that was a big bull, um, you know, pushing that 340 mark, and, you know, that was a bull that I was definitely interested in, and so seeing the other bull on Saturday, I think really just that was it solidified the fact that there was some good. Yep, that was. Good, uh, it's, I was like, yeah, we're 
there's enough in there that's worth the we're spending some time back so there. why do you think that that area holds those big bulls is it because it is so secluded i think it's it's everything it's the country and the feed and um yeah the seclusion and i think it just limits people if you have to walk in that far yeah um a lot so there's a lot of people too that don't they won't they don't want to put in the effort for it right well they'll give, and it, they'll give it a day or so but when they realize how rugged and tough it is i, I think the other thing is some people if they've killed elk before they realize that how much work it is after the elk's down yeah. you know we talk about all the work we put into go going and hunting elk but people forget how big those suckers are and when you get them down if you're four miles in then unless you have other things you know yeah pack pack string of mules or, or horses or something you got to get that sucker out so that's going to in some ways limit the people that are going to do it yep too that's for sure so we got in there and i i i was really impressed with with uh just the way that country set up and you you knew exactly where you wanted to go once we got camp set up we we packed up and i think it was like four thirty five o'clock mm-hmm. we had a nice little rain mm-hmm. rain sleet shower come through cooled things off we got you know camp water we got all our shelters put up um yeah and then we headed for that basin that that i had glassed um the night uh, before yeah, on saturday yeah. night let's real quick go through some of our gear list kind of what what we took back there just people uh, always asking questions first of all talk about your muzzleloader yeah so um when i decided to go uh with a muzzleloader tag you got in contact with the guys at cva and they said sure then the, yeah and mm-hmm. they sent us out a one of the cva paramount uh, pro Colorado editions, which is super awesome. They have, you know, the Williams sights with the peep, um, and the Williams front sight is awesome. Um, has different inserts. You can put a crosshair or a, a post or whatever you want in there. And then you and know, why and and the reason that is so important in Colorado, and the reason it's Colorado is because Colorado dictates no scopes right. with magnification. Right, you have to have iron sights, um, loose powder, no, no sabots, things like that. Um, what are the challenges? I, I, I mean, it's it's common sense what the challenges without a scope, but when you add some of those other things, what does that do as far as keeping it more traditional? Um, so, I mean, like loose loose powder um, definitely can be more inconsistent i would say than pelletized powder and i'm not a big muzzleloader guy so i can't speak on it a lot but and then like a sabot is for people that don't know is like a smaller diameter bullet with a usually a plastic kind of a casing on it um so that it fits because in colorado it has to for elk has to be a 50 caliber and it has to be basically true a true bullet size it can't be a sabot so what you do what a sabot does is it makes you can shoot like a 40 or a 45 caliber bullet out of a 50 caliber muzzleloader and you get a lot more speed out of it um and those so those are 
What grain of bullet was you shooting? 325. 325. That's a lot of lead going down. Yeah, down range. a lot of lead. But you spent some time. Um, you uh, got with your buddy Jer- Jeremy, yeah, right? Jeremiah. Jeremiah, and he. Um, you ended up putting a. Uh, <coughs> muzzle brake. Muzzle brake. Yeah. <laughs> tired. Sorry. Yeah, the gun don't even like. If you look at it, like when you see it in the film when it comes out. It don't look like a muzzleloader. It looks like a rifle. Yeah, with mm-hmm. iron sights. It's yeah. a that CBA is a. It's it's built. It's the same. It's a Bergara action, which is a Remington 700 clone, and so it uses kind of a bolt system, and you put a your primer in there, and then close the bolt on it, and so it looks a lot like a bolt gun. Um, it which also, a lot of them do, but yours is what sets it apart. Is it's a Free, flo- free floating barrel. Yeah, it, yeah, it's and then awesome. it don't. You carry your ramrod separate from the yep. rifle. Yeah, and you just use it when you hit the reload. Yeah, so their um, solution to the problems that having normally having a ramrod, like if you if you build a custom muzzleloader, a lot of times it's there's a there's a hole drilled in the stock, um, and you can stick a ramrod in there, and it still doesn't touch the barrel, but um, a lot of times there's a band or something on the barrel that attaches to the, the you slide the ramrod in and then into the stock which that just messes up barrel harmonics and a free floating barrel is always more accurate so they made it with a free floating barrel and then they sent they send out a collapsible carbon ramrod which is kind of cool and I was able to hook the uh, ramrod to the like the mall webbing on the bottom side of my vinyl harness. Really Your marsupial, secure. yeah. Yep, my marsupial. So it's always I had it always in reach. Yeah, you had this, even before we went up there. You had a pretty good system down. Yeah, because you got one shot, and if you're gonna have to take a second one, it's gonna take you time. So you wanted to be able to have your loads, your your powder. Yep. You you measured all that out. You had them in little. Um, clear plastic tubes yep. so you could pour it in um uh, yeah so so y- you kind of did your research you went out and shot it and 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 in a situation with iron sights you're really restricted at, at once you have the gun figured out like you did yeah you, you're restricted to what you can see yeah and you're and your aim the issue issue yeah yeah your aim uh and that's why that sight system on that it was so awesome because you were putting uh, what two inch groups at, at 200 yards yeah probably more like three inch four inch groups at 200 yards which is really still very impressive i mean it's just you can shoot pretty much as good as you can see with that with that gun and i i did notice that once it got later like as the sun went down my range when you cross it your your cross on your front side was it's just black it's, yeah and it's smaller it's a smaller diameter yep than normal because you what you picked that smaller one though didn't you yeah just i felt i felt <coughs> it would be more precise but there is disadvantages I, I was thinking maybe you could put like a piece of like a like a glow paint or something just a dot in the middle of that and it could possibly help but i definitely noticed as the sun went down that my range was very limited and that's important to know i mean let's be honest hunting is a is a late evening early morning is when your animals are moving so um you know 
That's, but but it was pretty neat. You uh, you were it just so happened all of us were running the Kafaru 44 yeah. mags, and um, but you had that new carrying system that was pretty handy. Um, what do they call that for for the rifle? Oh yeah, the gun bearer. The gun bearer that yep. attached to to your pack, and you you could set the butt on a pouch that actually hung from your waist belt yep. and then you had a place to strap it so you could you could walk with your hands free it's nice to have and to be able to glass and stuff without and slings i hate slings i hate rifle slings you can't keep them on your shoulder uh very well with a pack on especially so i usually have the rifle like across my shoulders horizontally or strapped on the back, which obviously is, you, you can't get into play very fast. And with that gun bear, it just keeps it right there. And all you have to do is pop the the uh, piece of strap loose and comes right off. Yeah. Pretty sweet. We were all, um, I, I, I ended up taking a big Agnes shelter in you went i think i took it in for you yeah you actually did carry it in and you uh levi you showed up with the super tarp the first super tarp but you and i ended up um bunking tent mates (laughs) how did that work why did you uh, trevin has this way of doing things like hey uh tanner i need you to carry my tent for me hey levi i need you to carry the tent for tanner (laughs) well yeah that is weird (laughs) but i guess we did it so uh you guys you and you and eric put some tyvek down yep and then with that shelter it's just basically you used your trekking poles Mm -hmm. so you didn't even need to take in poles right and um uh, that i'm just trying to paint a picture of what the camp looked like and then of course you know we had our food and um we took some of those those peak refuel um dehyde no and they're not dehydrated they're freeze-dried um meals and and the, the beauty in colorado is there's water everywhere yep um it's not like that in new mexico no. um so so we just we found uh we didn't want to camp where the elk were right which was actually kind of difficult yeah um, yeah that's pretty tough in that country but we found a spot that was kind of in the willows that w- that we were able to find a relatively flat spot and uh and and set up camp and then that that little rain shower came in and then we as soon as it was done we we hiked to that one basin where you'd seen that bull on yep. that on saturday the day before and this is sunday afternoon and it was amazing because we basically topped over and right away you said there's a bull he's standing yeah he was standing in the almost the exact same place and he was down there raking on a bunch of the taller willows just absolutely going nuts on them and all the cows were up in the timber to the right and so i mean as soon as we got there he was out there so what do you think when you saw him because right away uh i know levi and i are thinking oh that's a good bull i knew that he wasn't what i thought he was from two miles away the night before i knew 
he's a good bull for sure. There's no no doubt about it. Um, but there's kind there's a lot of those bulls I feel like around. And so I'm thinking, and oh we're talking my. like a three twenty. 325, something like that is what he ended, ended up being. We thought he was bigger than that. Glassing from the day before, we thought he was in the 340 range. Yeah, for sure. He does. He has a good frame. He just doesn't have the points, I don't think, that I that I thought he had from across. He definitely was wide and good beams. So we, we sit there, and you're talking. I know I remember you talking about even a strategy you could probably go over here and drop down this little draw that comes in and you'd be within range yeah i think we could have got but, on him but you're like eh, i don't think he's the bull for me yeah he just wasn't it just didn't get me excited uh right away so what, levi what do you think when we popped over saw that good bull and he says that well first off i knew he was gonna do that <laughs> Like I just knew it, like because I'd already been talking to him. He's like, I'm I'm shooting a three forty, three fifty. That's it. But then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, all right, he's going to end up shooting a three twenty because he's going to get excited and want to do it. We pulled over and over the top of that and that three twenty standing there. He's like, all right, let's go find a big bull. I'm like, what? You you're crazy. Like, let's go kill that bull. Yeah. Uh... But it turned out to be a wise move. Yes. And, you know, my thought on the whole thing was, this is your hunt. Yeah. You pull the trigger on what you deem. I don't care what he scores. Yeah. You pull the trigger on what you deem is something worthy of that 12 years of applying. Yeah, and I don't ever want to shoot something that I'm not excited about. I feel like that's do, that's a disservice to the animal. And, you know, I, just like with mule deer, I like watching the stinking thing so much that I can I can just watch them and not shoot them and it's it's amazing mm-hmm. so to me it just has to it has to be right right and so we don't have far maybe half a mile back around and into another bowl in another drainage yep big big bowl yeah big old basin um that we had that you can't see from anywhere unless you're way the heck back in the back country so i'm like well let's just go over here and check out what's on this side just we just took off walking that was incredible yeah we popped over if i remember his exact words was there's gonna be a bull over here that i want to shoot i told yeah so i told levi i was like i i guarantee you i I said i bet you money there's a bull in this basin that i'll shoot because when we popped over there's elk everywhere like everywhere <laughs> and they were screaming oh yeah they yeah. were bugling it was what 545 something like that there was cows that are out above timberline already there was like just a steady stream of elk coming from timber this north facing timber up into timberline just constant and there's you know a little six here a little bull here and both you fools are yawning yeah sorry and so we look over there and then yeah you... I, look, I look down and like kind of towards the back there's a bull i could see and you can tell a big mature bull just by his color and you know his his back withers his hump whatever mostly by color 
and just body size when you're sitting there looking at elk it's like they're all the same and there's a big bright yellow one and i'm like oh, okay that's a bull good bull and then i can see him raking his antlers and then his you can see his right side every once in a while i'm like oh yeah that's sweet he got a big old big old sword and then his left side had had a extra point a sixth point make him a to make him a seven point basically an inline seven but really cool bull and immediately i was like oh yeah that dude is sweet and so at that point i'm like yeah i'll probably shoot this bull if i get a chance because he just i don't know no i remember he said i'm not going to shoot any other bull but this bull <laughs> right which was an important point in the story <laughs> It was an important point because we we couldn't make a move. There right. was too many elk, so we're sitting kind of up on the top of this edge of this basin, and we're glassing, feeling good about ourselves. Yeah. Because these elk have not been messed with, and and they have everything they need. We were looking down, and we could see, what, two or three wallows yep. that were ate up. We could see... Um, there's like these two little lakes, these yep. two little ponds, and then the perfect cover. And elk are just—I mean—they're just doing yep. their their elk thing. So we. And that's of, something to say. That's what I. That's what, something I love love about this unit. And it's something South said, and I agree with him. It's you get you get in these places, and it's you get to experience elk doing what elk do, rather than a, you know over the counter. You don't get to experience that kind of stuff. Right. And these elk in, in these places like this, it's amazing to really watch them just do what elk do. Yeah, and especially September, middle of September. And um, we even got to see, um, that was the night that, that we filmed them. He was even mountain cows. And um, so we kind of backed out of there. No, no, he started coming with his group of cows below us and oh, we had some right. stunted trees we're right at tim we're above timberline but below us were some stunted trees and we made a move actually down downhill but it's so open it's a huge just willow filled basin and he was kind of coming towards us and we went down to him and we got across the draw and i think the closest i had him was like 320 but then there was just willows between us yeah nothing else you could get closer. and i can't shoot 320 and it was almost dark so then then yeah we ended up backing out um for the night and they were just as we were leaving they're just screaming their faces now off. did you when we left there how confident were you that we were going to be able to get back on that same bull i'd say i would you know i thought we would definitely see him that amount of cows he was obviously the dominant bull in the area um and i i didn't doubt that we would see him uh i felt like getting on him was going to be tough because that's a big open basin right and there was a there's just a ton i don't know how many elk there was i don't what what do you guys think i counted over i think 50 or 60 cows that evening yeah there was a ton yeah um, and then there was bulls running I mean, everywhere, um, you know, two nice six points, 280, 300 yeah. class bulls um, that, you know, satellite bulls, where other places, especially in Colorado, your satellite bulls are your raghorns. Yep. You know, 
Yeah, and there's good, a nice five point that came up out of the bottom right, right at last light. Just elk everywhere. So, I think I I know I felt pretty confident going to bed that night. Went back, ate, crawled into the bed, and and I remember thinking, okay, this is we're gonna go up there and kill him tomorrow. Yeah. And w- the plan was to get up at five. And my alarm went off, and nobody else stirred, so I hit snooze. I think I hit snooze like three times, and then I finally just, I finally just reset the alarm because nobody was moving. I'm like, well, I'm not gonna get up, and nobody else is gonna get up. It's not my hunt, right? Kind of in a way. I'm normally, yeah. When I'm hunting, I'm the first one up, and I got coffee going and stuff like that. And um, I'm like, this isn't my hunt. I'm not, I'm not going to be the first one up. Also, I didn't have an alarm. And you didn't because we were char- I was charging your phone on my charger because you didn't. You failed to bring a charger. Yeah. Well, my and, great charger. Though. And Levi brought a piece of crud, <laughs> the worst charger ever in the history. It charges for 10 seconds and shuts off. Um, although did, you, it does, did you try pushing the button every 10 every, seconds? Yes, I yes. did. And it we nev- both did it. And it never charged our phones. So here we are. I'm saying that because it, we have just enough cell phone service to get some messages out and this and that. Um, but, you know, you stay in contact with the wife and the kids and, you know, all the, the family life. Um, it's kind of nice to check in. But we were having we were running out of battery real quick. Um, so the next morning we got a late start. Yeah. For so sure. we, we got up six, it, it had some coffee, ate some breakfast, and then hiked up. Again, it, how far was it to the top of that basin? Half mile from where we were camped? Something like that. Yeah, probably. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, that's the beauty of backpacking in. Yeah. You know, you go, it, it, you know, when, you, when you're hunting from a base camp, you're, you're going somewhere, you're hiking in, and, and so you have to leave early you get home you haven't eaten yet so it's you get actually less rest yeah but it's a bigger initial exertion getting in there and then after that it's as easy or as hard as you want to make it but you're there so we get in there we top over i think we're just working down to where we can see and you go there's a good bull. Yeah. You, you looked over. I looked down. Cause, and it was on our side of the basin. Right. So we were coming in like the north side of the basin and all the elk had been on the south side. And there was a lot of elk over there. But I looked down to my right on our side below us and there was a big bull. And so I never even looked on the other side. I don't know. Yeah, he was there. <laughs> I guess. Because the, when you went after. That big six by seven that we saw. Uh, Sunday evening, I guess, was there, but I never looked because I looked down and I'm like, holy cow, this is a big bull. And explain that whole situation and what that bull looked like. I mean, just a, the just a big, symmetrical, pretty six, big fronts, big thirds, big swords, and real good uh, fists, and just long beams, heavy. I mean, like, the perfect-looking six-point. And he's down there, like, probably... 400 probably Something like that, yeah 400 yards below us 
And he had five or six cows. Yeah, just six. just a few cows, and they're just bedding or they're feeding just just on the edge of the timber. They were below timber line a ways, just on the edge of the timber, out in the grass, just feeding away. And you he actually bedded down on us. Yeah, and you guys did not hesitate. I remember you looked at Levi. Levi dropped his pack. You dropped your pack. And you were gone. Yeah, you're like, you're like, we need to switch the lenses. And I was like, mm, they got it on long lens, and yeah. that's a huge bull, so we're not switching lenses. Well, that was just... late, so we knew that any second he could get up and go straight into that timber, we was going to lose it. Right. And so you guys bailed down. Eric and I stayed back, got the long lens on him. And it was kind of cool videoing from back further away because we actually had you guys working down through yeah, the willows frame. in frame. And then the bull beds down. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, this could happen. Yeah. If you could, all you had to do is keep those cows from spooking, which were a little above him. Yeah. And you, how close did you get? Uh, I was like 250 from the cows and I think like 290 uh, from him while he's bedded. And there's actually a spot where I could lay down with my, and so I have a bipod on that CVA and put a bipod out and um have a rear rest and i got i got set up and thinking that he would come to his nearest cow at least you know um those those bulls usually are kind of tending them and walking around checking them out but he's he's bedded off to the side i'm like when he gets up and comes into these cows i'm probably gonna shoot him because i was you know super confident at at that range and like i was holding on the cows i'm like yeah this is i know my i knew my drop at that distance and with a with a dead rest prone off a bipod and i i shoot a lot and so i'm just super comfortable i guess with that and i was like if he comes this cow i'm gonna i'm probably gonna shoot him and he got up and bugled i think and then he just walked into the timber and his cows were kind of they kind of milled around and then they all just started walking in the timber after him and we were like crap and so that you know we can look back on it and say well if we got had got up earlier or whatever maybe we would have got a shot I, I don't know it's hard you, you don't know they could have been at the top of the hill when we got there and we could have blew them out right um, um, and we're talking this bull is like a 350 yeah he's, maybe pushing 360 he's he was big, he's he big. Was big real big um and he got into the timber and i was like well let's let's freaking go so levi and i take off across there and we got into the timber and we we bumped his cows and i don't know if they smelt us or not we bumped his cows we didn't see him and then we take off after what we think is him bugling and it's all, you know, most trees are beetle kill, and we made it down to the bottom of this drainage in there, but there's just so many bulls screaming everywhere um, as they move back into the timber from above above timberline that it's, it's hard to keep track of him. And he wasn't, he was bugling pretty good, but he wasn't just like absolutely hammering every, you know, every minute. And so it was hard to keep track of them. And eventually we got down in there and there's so many bulls around. They were like, well, whatever. Like, we don't even know which one he is. And 
so we ended up backing out but and and while you guys were doing that we'd lost sight of you so we figured okay well you're gonna shoot him levi's got a camera he's gonna video it good to go eric and i set up on that six by seven across the basin yep. with the long lens and just watched him as he worked into the timber and then he worked down and you know his cows are in there and it was interesting to see him then work back around so now we have two bulls in this basin that you'll shoot yeah for sure which we were at first concerned he wasn't going to find a bull that he would shoot <laughs> and now we have two so we're feeling pretty good about ourselves in a way kind of bummed that you missed that opportunity that morning mm -hmm. on that on that new bull um but yeah and then when levi and i were down there we found coming back up we found a nice wallow in the bottom and the day before that six by seven would have walked real close to that wallow and it was close to where he was raking that tree when i first saw him so like okay we got a wallow here and it's obviously been used it's a big wallow and um so that afternoon not i mean really that morning after we got up there which i don't know what time that was 10 30 or something after because levi and i sat down there for a while and just pretty much listened to bulls scream um, wasn't much we could do without and that's the other thing is I didn't want to go just charging into the timber and blow the elk out because there's so many bulls in there we probably had five or six bulls in a fairly small area just screaming their faces off so how do you know which bull is which and how do you not bump a whole bunch of cows um, which is what I'm concerned with at this point is bumping cows because the bulls are just going nuts like they're just going to go wherever the cows go but bumping the cows is a not a good thing so we just kind of sat down there listened to bulls bugle hoping one would come through a lane in the bottom and then hike back up found that wallow and like well let's just sit the wallow for tonight and see as these elk move back into this basin what comes into the wallow so that was our that was our evening plan which didn't go as we planned <laughs> It wasn't as as productive because yeah. nothing came to the wallow. But we did watch some elk toward evening start working out. It just none of the none of the bulls we wanted. Yeah. Which the moon phase is changing to at this point. Mm -hmm. It's getting it's getting fuller <laughs> yeah, every night. It's getting brighter and brighter and I feel like in my opinion those bulls or the elk in general can come out later because they're they're uh having that extra light to feed and rut and do that that thing and when the moon sets they actually kind of go quiet for a while till morning yeah so that's working against us as these elk start to come out later and later yeah and so as we packed up went back over the plan was to get back into that basement basin a little earlier the next morning yep so we did. We 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 learned our lesson, if you want to call it that, and we ended up back over there. But now you're in your mind, you're thinking, okay, I got two bulls I can shoot. Yeah. Yeah, and we looked across on the south side, and there's again elk everywhere, and the the big six by seven is over there, and there's another nice six point that I think I had seen earlier in the week from that 
glassing location, a real a real narrow six point with really long fronts, so, uh, thirds and swords, and then kind of weak fifths. And he's just super narrow bull. And him and that uh, six by seven kind of squared off a little bit. I don't think they ever locked up, but you know, it was, it was going on over there. And, but then we had a bull bugling on our side also again, kind where, of where, where that bigger bull where was. the bigger bull went into the timber and there's a bull screaming in there but he's being pretty reserved yeah he wasn't he wasn't yeah he wasn't bugling a lot he was you know and he had a nice sounding bugle none of the big bulls really had a extraordinary like a different bugle they just had nice pretty bugles there, there was a couple of other like the five that five point had like a real growly distinct bugle and then, and then a, there, there was a six by six five by set or yeah six by five that uh that had the longest bugle in the history of bugles yeah wasn't yeah. that that wasn't yeah, that that yeah, might have been the five or the, i don't know one of those two but it was like two. those were distinctive if you if that if that would have been the bulls we were hunting you could have almost used their bugle to figure out exactly where they were right but the two bulls that we wanted to shoot just sounded like good elk yeah, so that that bull was bugling kind of just every every once in a while. He wasn't really getting sucked in with all the other craziness going on across the basin, and and uh, so I'm like, well, heck, you know, that could be that big six. So I was like, well, Levi, let's brick and go in there and get after him. And so you you should talk about that one a little bit, there, big dog. Why should I talk about that one? <laughs> because good to be included we both thought that it was going to be the big six yeah because sure. he was being quiet for one we was thinking all right our, our mindset was he's being quiet and he's going to keep his cows to himself he don't want no other bulls over there with him right and we just go in there after him and there's bulls not on that side but there's bulls screaming everywhere and he's the only one that's you know on the side that he's on on that north side right there and we end up getting right on top of this sucker oh yeah like what or was he we? was right on top of us yeah he was on top because we was right below him because we was using the thermals you know what, what do you, what do we figure he was probably maybe 80 yards yeah. above us there's kind of a bench above us and we yeah. couldn't see up there. i guess you caught a glimpse right of a yeah i caught his rack once kind gotcha. of raking on a tree and then then i lost him again but we we messed with him for a little while and uh <laughs> We messed with him for a little while and ended up making a move to try to get on his level to call him in, yeah. and, which worked because we got right on his level and we was just fixed to make a move, and I was like, D- I see him. He's coming. And then you, of course, again, he said, oh, yeah, he's a decent six. Yeah, I, I think I said little, and you yeah, were mad about yeah, it. Yeah, he said he's a little six. I'm like, a little six? I mean, he looks pretty dang good to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, he popped his head up on the other side of that little, there's kind of a, a a creek that runs down right there with a bunch of willows. And, uh, yeah. Got some pretty cool footage of him, though, at 12 yards. Yeah, so I was like, oh, it's a little six. And Levi's like, what? Are you sure? You don't want to shoot that bull? And... So, and he's kind of being timid. I don't think he had any cows. And uh, so I actually just like bugled and glunked and cow called and stuff and moved away from Levi and left him there. And that bull kind of got, you know, more curious and started to kind of try to 
catch view of us and I I snuck back and was watching him come across there and I it was kind of funny because I'm watching you can see Levi's back as he's filming and that bull pokes his head around a tree at like 12 yards or whatever and he kind of kind of freaks out a little bit and runs off a ways and then he stops again but it was it was pretty cool it was pretty sweet well and while you guys were doing that eric and i had found the big six by seven on the other side of the basin and again spent the morning with him yeah and and we're like well you could have probably snuck down there and shot him over there but um you know it is what it is and then so that afternoon we set up down lower yeah not quite in the not quite low yeah not quite like in the middle of the basin but down lower to where our thinking was is we would see the elk start to move up hopefully identify him Mm -hmm. because what we didn't want to happen was to get down really close and then have cows because where we were planning on moving to the cows would have been as they come out all around us and again we don't want to blow those cows out because that's what i feel like is going to ruin ruin the basin so we were trying to set back to where we could be like okay there he is now we'll move because we know he's going to be up here so that risk of of spooking cows is not as great as the reward of like you know knowing that bull's going to be there and they i guess we had a raghorn <laughs> raghorn and some cows run almost run us over it's yeah. about 15 yards from us, probably. Yeah, just running randomly, ran right to us. And we're all sitting in the wide open. Yeah. Like, we wasn't even ready for it, because we're just all sitting in the wide open. You was taking some pictures. Me and Eric were mm-hmm. talking, and all of a sudden, we all look up, and there's elk coming at us. Yeah, we couldn't even hard. We could barely hear bulls bugling down in the drainage, you know, every once in a while. And I looked down, and I'm like, there's cows lined out heading towards us, and we're like, uh I don't know where they came well, from. Well, and they came from six, seven hundred yards away. Yeah. Almost like where we were sitting, that's where they wanted to be. Yeah. Which we hadn't ever seen cows necessarily right there, but, you know, it is what it is. So we kind of left a little earlier that night, I noticed, because it was like, okay, well. Yeah, and we just weren't going to have the time, and I don't want to, you know, blow everything out. And those elk, it's like once once shooting light is almost gone then they were it was like just a seemed like a bunch of elk yeah Yeah. they just were piling out but it was just going to be too late um so we we scooted back out of there trying not to to blow anything out and that's when we looked across the other way and saw that big flat and oh yeah, going was, back to camp. Remember? Yeah. And there was elk. There was everywhere. a bunch of elk out there. Yeah. And at least one decent looking bull, but it was so dark we couldn't couldn't tell. So And I remember sitting in camp, this is now you know, days are ticking by and Eric's gotta leave on Wednesday. We're running out of batteries, so we gotta figure out how are we gonna charge batteries and refuel as far as food. Because we've we only packed for three nights three nights worth of food mm-hmm. so because eric had to be out wednesday this is now tuesday and yeah so the plan was as i was gonna we we're gonna hunt in the morning wednesday and then eric and i would hike out i'd take him back down he'd leave i'd restock try to charge some batteries that sort of thing and try to be up there 
at a decent time in the evening, which, you know, may or may not work. So that was the, that was the plan. And I was, I don't know, I was starting to feel like it was going to, it was impossible to get close to this bull because there's so many cows around there. And, you know, I started to kind of get down a little bit. Um, but, you know, that's how it goes. I think it's always a, a, a battle mentally. So I'm like, well, dude, if you're sitting here for nine days, something, something's going to happen on accident. Well, and but, but, the, but if you had, I think if you had been super aggressive to begin with, then you ran the risk of blowing everything out and and you and and maybe the one chance you might have had could or or could most likely wouldn't have worked out right. because of the amount of cows so right. we we you know kind of did the old groundhog day got up again same time early you know got up on that basin and it seemed like er, the mornings were were better as the week went on the evenings were were worse because i think they were coming out later right um so it was kind of the last hurrah before we had to re retool yeah and And i noticed that some elk had been leaving like when they started getting there what i would call their pecking order like when we first got there there was 50 to 80 cows in that basin and you know four or five bulls roaming around and the second day we in there there was a little bit less cows and there's kind of more bulls and the third day it was just like like this morning it was like totally different like it you got in there and it was there was bulls that had their five six cows and it was in pieces like everywhere like they they started separating cows like crazy this week yeah and this morning we popped over and we, we you know we got a good start so we were kind of early and uh eric said said that he had heard a bull bugling on the ridge so we we're being real careful letting it get light enough where we could kind of check everything off and then we got to our little rock outcropping glassing spot and there's a bull a six by six in the same place that the big six by six was at on monday and i think eric originally thought it was him he's like oh that's a big bull it was a, it was a nice bull for sure so I initially I was excited. I'm like, oh crap, is that the bull? And then I got look at him. I'm like, definitely not. So immediately just kind of, you know, kicked him out of my mind. We also saw that five point leaving or going up above Timberline on the other side. And that's what I was like, that's what I was saying. Like those cows came up to us the night before and they were just, I'm pretty sure they were just leaving the basin. And so you know, that we saw a six point, he's with a couple cows, five or six cows. And I look across and there's that big six by seven. And he had less cows too. Than yeah. He did he, three he days had, before. Yeah, less cows for sure. Um, and he's, he was acting real, like the last couple of days, he's acting really aggressive um, and everything. And, you know, he was kind of one of the few elk for the first time that was on that side of the basin there was like i mean there's a pretty good group of cows when they left there's probably probably 10 or 11 something like that and uh and then there was like a couple little bulls right 
Yeah. Well, That's the, what made him so aggressive, though, yeah, I think, was in he Little was, Bros. He, uh, well, we were watching when we set up, um, when you guys finally decided to try and make a play on him, we were watching, and he was chasing off some smaller bulls. Yeah. Yeah. But the cool thing about it is you guys decided you were going to get aggressive. Yeah. And <laughs> it and was kind of more of a we sitting there, and Tanner looks at me and says, I'm going. You ready? I'm like, uh, sure, why not? Let's go. <laughs> and you guys bailed off, and your plan was you were going to be in – they could see you. Yeah, plain sight. The sun hadn't come up. And we were just gonna. We just basically had willows with a couple trees here and there in between us and them. A big wide open basin there, probably like I don't know, thousand yards away. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I mean, we get to the bottom of this hill, we're golden. If not, we're kind of screwed. But I was like, we're just gonna go and then check every so often and see if the cows see us and if we're good we'll just keep going if not we'll probably just if all the cows are staring at us we'll probably just sit down and let them do their thing and hope that they're not too buggered so and and you when you took off he was working across that opposite side of the basin by a little pond his cows uh, he actually ran after a cow that was already headed into the timber and he tried to turn her back she wasn't having it yeah so I thought, oh, shoot, there he goes. But then he turned around and went back to, you know, the four or five Mm -hmm. other cows that were there. And then more were coming, lagging behind. And it was like he let her go, but this was his core and he was going to keep them. And and to a point, he was almost trying to herd them from going into the timber. He didn't want them to be in the timber. And what that did for you guys is it gave you the ability to get to the bottom and work across the bottom to try and get in position that if he came across, you'd have a shot. Yeah, there's a little, the the place we wanted to set up the night before was actually my goal. There's a little patch of trees that's, you know, a couple hundred yards from a, a little flat that they had always crossed through. And the morning before, you guys had watched him go high on this basin, but then drop into that flat. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, if we can get to these trees, he, there's a chance that he'll come within range, drop in within range, and I might have a shot. So that was that was the goal. And so we took off, and like I said, I'm stopping every 50, 60, 70 yards and looking at the cows. And every time I look, they're looking away, their heads are down, feeding, whatever, he's running around. And we started to get into the bottom, and they're high enough on the other side where they still had a good view of us and a couple of times he stopped in the wide open and was kind of looking out over the basin towards us and so we just had to you know stop there and uh wait it out and he'd run behind a little scraggly pine or whatever and we keep going and we got to that that point and but he you couldn't have shot him then no we couldn't even see him he's still in the i could hear him bugle every once in a while he's still in like the top part of the basin so you, uh, I remember looking through the one to four hundred, you know, the the long lens, and we're on him, and we're watching him. He's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then all of a sudden, in the lower corner, there's your your blaze orange, yeah, and and you could hardly see Levi because Levi was in all camo. His camouflage. Camouflage. You just see his face. And 
Just a floating head. <laughs> and as you came up, we were looking. There's this little bluff with some pines. Hmm. And he was working around a knob where the cows were back there, back and forth. And I'm like, he's going to, if you could get to that bluff. Yeah. I, I, I felt really confident you were going to get a shot. Because even if they went to the timber, they were going to go right by you. Yeah. You know, within 100 yards. Yeah, and when I when we got to the trees, the safe play was to sit there in the trees. We won't get winded. They're going to they're going to go back to the timber at some point. And but the other two other two bulls he'd ran off went high. They did go high. And, and that's what worried us. Yeah, and so I was like this is a safe play. We might get a we might get a shot. We're not going to bump them. And we got there, and they're still up on that flat above us. We definitely can't see them now. There's that little little kind of rock bluff like you're talking with some little short pines, shorty pines on there. And for whatever reason, I'm like, I'm, I'm going there. And I know once I leave. Well, actually, we were standing at those trees, and I'm like, Tanner, if we can get to those trees, we'll cut 80 yards. And there's only like three trees there. Like if we get to those trees, we'll cut 80 yards. Yeah. And we can, if he comes across, he'll be in range anywhere. And he's like, yeah, let's do that. And we take off across that flat, and we get almost those trees, and that sucker bugles, and he's still up in that top basin. And we're just about those trees. I said, this would be a good spot, wouldn't it? And he just kind of looked at me and just turned and kept on going. I was like, all right, well, let's go with it then. We just kept on going across that flat. And I knew I was... <clears throat> If he had crossed at that point, he'd either come real close and we'd have been we'd be caught out in the open, which may or may not have worked, or he, we were going to be so close to the hill underneath him that he could cross over the top of that hill into the timber, and we would never, never we see might him. see his antlers. Right. But I knew we went past if we went past that point, we were making that commitment, and I don't know. This it was just. To me, like at that moment, there wasn't another choice. You had to go there. It wasn't a second. It wasn't a second guessing. Should I stay here? Should I go? I just kept going, and we made it to the base of this little hill. And I know he's he bugled again when we got to the base. I think. Yeah, he did. And I knew he was still up on that flat. And I'm like, I mean, right now we're under 200 yards from him, probably. And so. And and from my point of view, I'm looking, and I don't have. I'm higher, right. so I can see both of you. And I remember telling Eric, if he gets there, he's going to have a shot. Yeah. And um, and I didn't know if it was him moving and you were going to have to bugle at him to get him to stop to right. get a shot. I didn't know. At one point, he came around that little knob and was, it from again, from my point of view, he could have been looking out in the basin, but he looked like he was looking right at you guys. Well, yeah, and so we started climbing up that little knob, and I told Levi, I'm like, we just take our time. We, we're here. Let's just ease up this hill. And, you know, and so we, we did. We popped up. There's a bunch of rocks on the top. So I just got on the rock, and it's a big, solid rock. It's not like, it's not like a bunch of little rocks that'll roll. It's just big, solid rocks. And so I got on those rocks, creeped around some trees, and I looked up, and there's a cow at 100 yards or whatever. So at this point, I'm like, uh, like I was, 
and and coming across the willows in the bottom i was like i'm gonna kill this bull and that's just it was just went, went through my head i'm like i'm gonna kill this bull and we got up there and i see a cow can't see the bull anywhere and then levi kind of gets set up behind me like he's right there he's right there and i don't know if that's when was he staring at you yeah he was staring right he's like 80 yards just staring him staring me down and so he froze and i think the bull you know was so preoccupied um and you know who knows how much he even saw or heard um obviously didn't see enough to worry him and he runs back into his cows we ease up a little bit more and i ease over on a rock throw my bipod out and i can see his i can see his butt at this point from my view outside the pine like beside the pine and leave like he's right there he's right there broadside blah blah and so i'm like going to i'm going to put my earplugs in um so i can be ready to shoot and he turns and he runs like back to the right out and into view and i threw my i threw that bipod up on this little rock and i knew he was less than 200 yards and so got on him and I'm waiting for Levi and he's like, you know, he's, he's adjusting his stuff and he's like, shoot him. And I don't know, I don't know how long it was. Like a second if that. <laughs> but my, I knew I was, I was going to be probably a little bit high at whatever range I was. I was guessing around a hundred. Um, so I held a little bit low of where I wanted to hit and center. And I remember Eric was looking at the lens uh, or at the, at the back of the camera the the display and you know we've got everything centered and i'm looking through my binos yeah and um he says he shot well i i don't hear anything yeah but what he saw was he saw that puff of that muzzleloader going off yeah and and the bull wheels and runs and then I heard the the the, the actual yeah. uh, percussion. You know, that took that long to get across that that yeah. that basin, and so I I just remember watching him wheel. Of course, the cows wheel, and they start running up towards the kind of up the basin, and then back toward the timber, and he makes it to the the willows. And, well, that, I, and I'm watching him run away, and I'm like go down go down go down and then finally i had just like i was like okay i need to reload so then like methodically i pull my reload out and start pouring my powder and i'm not even looking i'm like i just gotta get this thing reloaded as efficiently as possible and so i can get another shot at this bull and then he was like oh he just went down he just went down and then it was just like it was yeah. it was chaos because he he probably ran 100 yards yeah yeah probably but then he was he stumbled once probably within 50 yards he stumbled right and then he, he kind of got him his legs underneath him again and and went and then ended up stopping kind of wide-legged and then wobble wobble and down yeah and i looked up and he's just disappeared there's nothing there right and i was like oh my gosh did i just kill a bull and I, Ed, Eric and I were doing the happy dance up on the, <laughs> on the ridge. I'm sure you guys were doing the happy dance down low. Yeah, no homo. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty because 
it was such a anxious moment having done everything right but yet not really even having not not been not being able to get in range of him right yeah it was it was tough and then so we grabbed the packs eric and i grabbed all the packs that you guys had dropped and headed across the basin and yeah it was it was it was pretty neat to to be there when you first walked up on him yeah it was it was tough it was a tough wait but i definitely wanted everybody to be there and i'm super glad that you guys were all there and i am really thankful for everyone else that contributed to this that moment um i had a lot of people that were really rooting for me and willing to help out what did you feel when you walked up on him that first time of course he's all you know neck deep in the willows yeah and you can only see you know those big forts sticking up and uh i remember it was it was kind of difficult to get to him because because yeah. it's so thick yeah i don't know i mean i just super super grateful for for that moment and um i don't know i think we were our paths were destined to cross and i i don't know felt i felt worthy of that and he was he was worthy of me yeah well you mentioned a little bit that there's times you wonder if you deserve a bull like that yeah and i think that's a totally um, that's normal right exactly totally normal concern when it comes to a, a, an animal of that quality that has lived six seven years however long yeah and and really was the dominant bull in that basin yeah yeah there's there's part where in the previous days where we're looking at him with no play and i'm just like i like why do i even deserve this bull i mean he's a you know in his prime and like maybe i should just walk out of here and let him be but i don't know i think all the just the and i mean what was it five four is five days into the muzzler hunt so it's not like we was we were in there for nine days but i mean it was it was a tough hunt and yeah i don't know yeah it was it's hard to put into words it is it is but it was it was awesome to to be there to 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 capture that moment and and you know all the moments before that led up to it right um the decisions you made even though they were frustrating because you didn't get a chance to close the deal earlier and then there we are and we close the deal it's pretty cool pretty dang cool pretty cool i'm glad you guys were there yeah me too me too i wouldn't miss it i think i've made levi mad a lot but it's, no. a, it's, fine. Oh, it's, it's fine i just like to make you think you're, i'm mad at you i'm pretty sure you're really keep you on the Yeah, well, there was some times when we were going, is he going to ever really shoot a bull? And, and you know, trying to talk him into shooting bulls that he's not interested in shooting doesn't work. No, it really doesn't. I don't have any problem with it either. No. Mm-mm. But. Well, I'm excited to put this film together because I think it's going to be a special film. 
because it, you know uh, going off of what we led this podcast off with you know that story that you would tell these hunters with that you know paid this money to come and and full full guide service and then they get this 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 kid that you know has experience as a guide yet's never killed a big bull or a bull any bull himself and then the first bull you kill is people go their lifetime not killing a bull that yeah. big awesome especially in Colorado awesome bull. yeah on public great land. bull yeah well, that's good stuff, and and uh, you know I, I encourage the listeners to to uh, I, we haven't got together with the guys, but I want to kind of almost like a prequel to this is is the archery hunt that we did with Dustin, Brandon, and okay, Dustin and Clint had the tag, but Brandon and Bryson were here helping, and and then we got a chance to go in the woods with them, and and they're they're waterfowl guys. Yeah, and you know Dustin has never killed a bull, but has been behind the camera on numerous kills, and um, is a very good shot. And um, yeah, it, but th- this country, you can't you can't take it lightly because no. it'll eat you up and spit you out. Yep. So that's cool. You got anything to add, Levi? No, nope, I just want to say thanks. I had, I had a blast. Yeah, I'm glad you came. You killed me, but I had a blast. Yeah. <laughs> I, only ha- I only have, what, 14 more days left of it? That's yeah. fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's going to be fine. Le- Levi Saturday hikes in with South for for another backcountry adventure. We were just warming you up, buddy. You warmed me up. That's for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah well, that's good. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, stay tuned. More exciting adventures and and of course be looking for this film it'll be coming out not sure what i'm going to call it but i'm leaning towards first bull or what was the one you suggested impossible impossible (laughs) (laughs) i like that too all right god bless and we'll see you guys down the trail